it seems like now would be a good time to just maybe like try this on my own and build like my own verge or like media kind of thing. Well, what um, gave you the courage to, to do that? The, I mean, cause, because you obviously saw Marcus Brandley, you saw Casey Neistat, you, you know, you, you, you know, you saw, you know, probably unbox therapy and, um, you, you probably saw a lot so of these different of creators. Um, what, I, I know what, what did it take, you know, at your job for you to realize like, you know, what, I want to do this alone. And, 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 and how did you, you know, build up the courage to do that? This is Creative Disruption, the intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your host, Ricky Ray Butler. I'm super excited about today and, um, you know, um, Sam Sheffer, who's going to be um, joining us and telling us um, all the different things that he's done to be where he is today and give us a little bit of his history and what inspires him creatively. Um, Sam is a technologist that has a YouTube channel. That's exactly how he wanted me to, de- to describe him and intro him. Sam, <laughs> how are you doing? Hello, Ricky. Um, I'm doing great. I've got an iced coffee on my desk. I have a water bottle on my desk. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm stoked to just kind of share my story because, like, as a... 31 year old youtuber in 2021 i feel like a lot of people on the internet know me just for like my youtube channel but like i have a an extensive background professionally um you know sort of before any of this youtube stuff so we we can sort of get into it you know what let's do it let's get into it i'm i'm really excited you know we've collaborated a couple of times through six three three six eight and through like ea and um, a, a couple of the clients that we have and um i'm Really excited just to really dive in and take this time to see what's inside your brain because you do a lot of fascinating things and you know a lot of great stuff too. So let's let's hear your history. Like where did you start, and then you know we can you know go into um, um, some of the stuff that you're doing creatively. Sure. Um, so I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a minute or two in. We are about to go on a journey here. So buckle <laughs> up. Um, so. I used to, when I used to live stream on Periscope, I used to have this sort of like intro thing that I would do. I'd be like, my name's Sam Sheffer. I'm 25 years old. I work at The Verge. I worked at Engadget before. I went to Rutgers University, graduated with a degree in ITI, born and raised in New Jersey, have always been interested in tech. This, that is like what I would do in case there were like new viewers. They're like, who is this guy? I would like give context. I'm a huge, I like, I like to sort of provide as much context as I can to help people understand you know sort of like where i came from so i was born and raised in new jersey um i'm one of four boys i have an older brother and two younger brothers um and for as long as i can remember we always had gadgets or technology in the house example i remember being five years old playing rayman on playstation one that's like my earliest video game memory i had a game boy playing pokemon red whenever it came out 1990 whatever seven or eight something like that um my my dad we used to go on vacation a lot he would always have a video camera recording to tapes there's hundreds of hours of footage from when i was a kid so i definitely i definitely can attribute my deep liking for all things technology gadgets software whatever um to my parents so like you know growing up i remember we had a cd burner i was using napster literally as a 10 or 12 year old burning cds for my friends i had a modded playstation 2 i was using dvd decryptor to like you know rip games rip movies and stuff like as as a 12 year old you know so so for 
and that's that was 2002 2003 i got an original ipod when i was 11 so really just like hard emphasis on like my parents being the enabler like i can't afford that stuff mom i want this okay sure and then if if one of us gets one all of us have to have one, right? So it's like one Game Boy. No, all four kids have Game Boys. One PlayStation in the house. No, another PlayStation, another Xbox, uh, GameCube, all this stuff. So that's sort of like as, as a child, Ricky, I was always just like gadgets, hardware, whatever. Um, I got my first, my very first camera is something called a Panasonic eWare. It's a little like clamshell, tiny thing that recorded video did photos it was like featured in a tomb raider movie i got that when i was like 12 or 13 and i'll never forget the model that i had had i have it somewhere came with a dock that you could put av cables into a tv and rip tv like you could just go in and hit record (laughs) so i like recorded spongebob episodes and then i have like footage like old halo 3 gaming footage from 10 years ago so that was my first camera and then i bought myself a sony cybershot with lifeguard money. So like my first job, 14 years old, working at the local YMCA in New Jersey. Um, I bought myself a little video camera Wait, that I would like to take to lifeguard. concerts. Lifeguard's that young? Yes. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Surprisingly, I know, I know. For, I did it from when I was like 14. I think I might have even been 13, 14, till I was like 17. I was lifeguarding every summer. So, so, um, so, so I saved what, some what money. What inspired yeah. you to work so young? I mean, I, I also worked at it from a very hmm. young age. I did it to avoid I, um, harsh labor with my father. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, I think it just sort of comes from within. Like I, I, I like to work for money. You know, I like to, you know, you know, do something in exchange for getting paid. Um, and like, I, I really like. I love the summer. I like being outside. I love the beach. You know, I'm like. My, my parents would bring us to the community pools all the time, and we were, like, friends with the lifeguards. And then that's a really good question. I've, I don't think I've ever really thought about that. I just sort of saw it as, like, okay, it's a way to make money. And my, my wage was $6.25, like, back then, 2000, <laughs> whatever, four, five, six. Um, and so I saved some money, bought the Sony CyberShot, um, and then, like I said, brought it to, like, concerts and stuff and, like, brought it to, like, basketball games. And I was just, like, nice to have, like, a nice digital camera because, you know, smart smartphones weren't around yet. It was, like, all really crappy flip, you know, flip phone cameras. Um, and then – so now sort of, like, I go through high school. Um, I'm still, like, the tech nerd. I get my first iPhone in 2008. I camped out for the iPhone 3G. Before that, I had a Sidekick LX. So, like, always had – I always was like a cell phone guy. I was like a big reader of like, you know, Engadget back then, the sort of the tech blogs. Um, and now, so like 2000, we're in 2008, 2009, you know, this iPhone comes out. I actually really wrote it off. I looked at this thing. They showed it in the glass case. I'm like, a touchscreen phone? Garbage. Useless. <laughs> and I'll, ne- I'll never forget, Ricky, my, my fir- the first time I ever held an iPhone was I was touring Rutgers University with a friend. Um, I went to Freel Township High School in New Jersey. Uh, my friend Rami, who had the original iPhone, and I opened up the Maps application. I think back then it was actually, they shipped it with Google Maps. And the blip, like the little blip, was like moving with us as we were on this bus. And I was like, on a phone? There's like a GPS like this? Boom. Two months later, I camped out for the phone. And then I've literally had an iPhone since June, whatever, of 2008. Every single year I get the new iPhone. That, that um, is amazing. I, I remember, you know, that feature as well. And I remember also, you know, when I was young in my career, 
would print off map, map quest or like Google Maps to get directions to drive places. I did the same thing. And it, was, it wasn't thing. even the phone that we were using. And, and, and then, you know, when it was available on the phone, like we, we got really spoiled really fast because, you know, if it's not a perfect, you know, you're not getting perfect directions and it's like, I know. And then know, sometimes the compass is facing you the wrong way mm-hmm. kind of thing. But yeah. So, yeah, so with we, that, that's, that, that sort of sold me on the iPhone thing. And then, um, I made my Twitter account in 2009 because I think Katie Couric was or, or one of these like TV show hosts was like doing a ticket giveaway. And I was like, sure, I'll make this Twitter account and like enter. I'm pretty sure like if you scroll down on my tweets, it's like one of my first five tweets. And then I sort of found the world of jailbreaking iPhones right around that time. And, and mind you, I'm I'm, you know, 18, 19 years old, don't have a career at all in front of me. No idea what I want to do. I'm just like. I love technology, hardware, software, gadgets. I just, I like everything new and shiny. Give it to me. Let me play with it. Okay. So I get on Twitter and I sort of discover this world of like, you can hack your iPhone to like put custom stuff on it, whatever. And so I really used Twitter in the beginning to follow the jailbreaking scene. And like, I was the guy and now I'm like a freshman in college when the iPhone's still sort of brand new. I like jailbroke, you know, my friend's iPods, jailbroke my friend's iPhones. Um, And then, so the beginning of my sophomore year at Rutgers University, this is 2009. Um, I'm an avid reader of Engadget. So this is how I sort of got my, 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 my path was like this. And then it just took a sharp turn. Um, the Engadget show uh, was do they they were doing a live taping of what they called the Engadget show and Engadget back then was like the premier sort of it was like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and Engadget. It was where you got your tech news, and I was just a fan of Engadget. Josh Topolsky, Neil Patel, Paul Miller, like those three guys. I was like I really look up to them. They you know they had awesome reviews. I would refresh the site all the time just you know to get the information, and so. Uh, I remember talking to my mom on the phone because that's just, you know, what I do. I'm like, mom, I'm going to go to the sink tomorrow. I'm going to get up early to get a spot in line because I camped out for iPhones and I see what it's like for enthusiasts. I thought there would be a huge line. Okay, so I'm out partying till three in the morning. I get up, take a train from New Brunswick into the city, get to uh, it was like the Parsons, whatever. Ricky, there is no one there. The doors are locked. I'm there at like nine in the morning. I'm like looking on my brand new shiny iPhone. I'm like, am I getting trolled? Is this the right date? What's going on here? I'm like walking around the block. Slowly but surely, people start showing up. And from their perspective, here's this super fan that showed up here before anyone came. And he's first in line and he's so excited. So they like brought me, you know, they brought me like inside. I got my ticket. I like met all the staff and all this stuff. And I'm just like a giddy 19 year old, like super fan, like, holy crap. Like, you know, I met all these people and then, and then this one phone call, it changed the course of history. I called my older brother, Mike, who is also my manager. And he goes, how is it? And I go, how is it? I just met Josh Topolsky. They brought me backstage and gave me Oreos. And he goes, Sam, 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 go ask Josh for a job. So little 19-year-old Sam <laughs> marches up to Josh Shapolsky, who's like six foot three, and I'm like, I want to work for you. I will give you all of my free time. I don't care about getting paid. I love Engadget. And he's like, oh, we're actually looking for another intern right now. Send me an email. I like frantically write down his email, oh, Josh amazing. at Engadget.com. And so 
boom, all of a sudden I had like a matrix back door open for me. I step inside the matrix back door. I apply and the application process was kind of nuts. It was like write three mock articles, list your top 20 gadgets. What makes Engadget different than the other? It was like a real, and this is for an intern position. And so back and forth, emails back and forth. It was like radio silent for two weeks. It was the longest two weeks of my life. I'm waiting. I just, I love waiting in lines. That's just a thing that I do. I'm waiting in line to see the Mars Volta here in New York City. And Ricky, I get the email from Josh Topolsky, welcome aboard Engadget, and they were paying me a thousand bucks a month back then as an intern. And when you're getting paid a thousand bucks a month in college, that is damn good money. Boom. <laughs> my life, my life, Ricky, with one email forever changed. All of a sudden, I was just a random kid from New Jersey that was really passionate about technology to being an Engadget intern. So that was like the sort of – that was the cataclysmic moment for me. happened at 19 years old. Um, so then I basically worked at Engadget as an intern. I was doing things like spell-checking the website every night. I would boot Parallels Desktop on my Mac because this program didn't work on uh, – it only worked on Windows. And I would spell-check the website every night as part of my job. And then during like Apple Keynotes, I would have the live stream up and I would be like screenshotting to give them like – um, very much intern work, but like, I'm like, oh my God, I work at Engadget. Like I'm screenshotting those images and they're being seen by millions of people. Like I'm making a difference right now. I'm in this, you know, with this team of 20 something people working on, um, it was way before Slack. We were using IRC back then. And so I'm like in, you know, college lecture halls and I'm on my MacBook doing Engadget work, looking around being like, I've made it, you know, I am so far ahead of these kids that are like, they don't even know what their major is yet. And I basically already have a job. I got super lucky, honestly, a lot of it is luck, but I sort of like created my own luck by going to the show, you know, having that phone call with my brother. Okay. Everything's going great at Engadget. Fast forward, like a year later, all of a sudden, like flies, everyone starts leaving Engadget. Editor-in-chief of the Polsky, you know, Lee, edit, uh, Josh Topolsky leaves and I'm like on vacation. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening right now? I stay at Engadget and they promote me to contributing editor. So now I'm not going to class anymore. I'm getting really bad grades, but I'm writing for Engadget, like four or five blog posts a day. Like I have, I have like 50 articles that I wrote back then as like, a 20-year-old college kid, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, this is so sick. Okay, but, like, where's everyone going? They, they seriously lost, like, half of the staff in, like, a three-month period. So I, fi I find out that they are building a new website. And at the time, it was called This Is My Next because Josh, the uh, editor-in-chief of Engadget, was anytime a new gadget or laptop or anything, he would joke, like, this is my next mouse. This is my next phone. Like, so that was the placeholder website. That website existed basically in the summer, like spring to like fall of 2011. And I like sort of like left Engadget. And to give sort of details here, I would come into the city. There was no air conditioning in this office. So, I got so you left from the same made. company as everyone else. I, yeah. So Engadget, I sort of like, uh, like literally half of the staff left. And it's like Ross Miller, Joanna Stern, Josh, Neli, Paul, like all the sort of core people that made up Engadget, those personalities, all were sort of building The Verge at the time. 
and I was like, I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to sail the ship with you guys. So I am this sort of pseudo office manager, like intern, just like really grinding it out in the summer. Um, wow. So, the, so you left, you left the job that MJ, I left the, contri- the contributing editor. <laughs> yep, yep. Because, uh, what is, what is it says a lot about it's mentorship, like, right? I mean, to, to be around those guys, like, I sort of saw the writing on the wall where I'm like, if everyone good from Engadget is leaving, like, there, there's nothing left here. And if they're building something new, they took a chance on me once. I think they'll take a chance on me again. And just, like, sort of with in the same vein of, like, the shiny new things, I want to be where the shiny new things are. Um, so, um, so at the time, we had, like, the this is my next handles and when the verge launched on november 1st 2011 those social handles were just converted from this is my next to like at verge so we had like you know 20 or thirty thousand on like facebook and twitter um and so i'm still in school at the time ricky i'm still like a student at college or uh yeah and and verge launches and i don't think many people actually know this um i actually worked at the verge doing news writing i my 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 role at verge which i will get to um i was social media manager but in the beginning when verge launched i was like i was writing for engadget i think i want to try writing again dude the pressure the pressure okay breaking news happens that article has to be up with with correct spelling and grammar and factual with a with a good headline within five minutes way too much pressure way way too much pressure for me so i'm like okay let me finish school so i did that for like two months now we're in like basically like january february of 2012 verge is launched that we're a comet in the sky breaking new ground everyone's super hot on this i'm like let me finish school so i so i sort of like took a hiatus they said sam come back when you're finished with school we'll have a job for you okay uh may of 2012 I didn't even go to my graduation. I did not walk. I got the diploma in the mail, didn't wear the cap and gown, couldn't couldn't care less about going to graduation. Called Josh. I said, it's time for me to work. He's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to manage our social media. How does that sound? In my head, I'm thinking, I know how to use Twitter. I know how to use Facebook. I know how to use Reddit. I got this. Great. No formal experience being a social media manager. That job didn't even really exist back then. I said, sure. Sign me right up. All of a sudden, I have the keys to at Verge on Twitter, Google Plus back then. We were like kind of doing Instagram, and YouTube was a completely separate beast. And I was a team of one back then. Young Sam Sheffer, fresh out of college. I have my pulse on the social media world. Boom. And that is where I sort of really found like – if the if the phone call with Mike was like the cataclysm, this was like the sort of, you know, the the other cataclysm where like cause and effect thing one and then thing two, you know, having to sort of learn all this stuff as I'm going. I like didn't really have a boss. Also, I was just like doing my thing um, and really to the credit of the entire Verge team, I could not do the job I did without them churning out incredible journalism, reviews, breaking news. Like one of our reporters broke the story when Snapchat got stories, like br- like exclusive. Snapchat launches stories, a 24-hour thing. And that was like 
Good job, Verge. And now I get to take that content and blast it out to the internet. So my job at The Verge was literally Ricky, like, writing Facebook copy, posting every 20 minutes, uploading a native video, figuring out Twitter copy. Um, so that w- I was, like, were you, really – Were you filming the content back then as well? Not at all. Not at all. I did not have a hand in that at all. It was just like in my tweet deck, I was signed in as Verge, and there were definitely times where I accidentally tweeted from that account, but we don't, we don't have to talk about that, where I was like <laughs> I, was, I was sort of like the human being behind that account. And in doing that, I also like ran the Snapchat account, and then I would like tweet like a human sometimes where it wasn't just like article link. It was like, show us a picture of your internet speeds. What phone are you re- – just I love engaging with the audience because I know they're there. And so I grew with the help of the Verge team. The Twitter account hit like a million in like two years. The Facebook account also. Like we hit some awesome milestones. Again, all to the credit of the Verge team. I was just sort of the captain of the ship. Um, but you can't be a captain. You can't you know operate a ship without an entire staff. Um, and the captain of the social ship, I should make that very clear. I was not the editor in chief. Um, so everything's sort of good. Um, and then Josh leaves the verge. This was like a big thing. And I remember the, the, it wasn't handled well internally. I found out because I read a New York times article, like I wasn't even uh, alerted as a staff member, which felt very strange to me. We had an all hands and they were kind of like, yup, Josh is leaving. Um, we, you know, we're going to find a new editor in chief kind of thing. Neilai became editor in chief. who was like Josh's, you know, sort of right hand guy. I was like, okay, so this is a little bit different. Like I always thought like the Josh is like the, the guy with the vision. He was editor in chief of Engadget. He created the verge, helped launch Vox media, which is now this media empire. I was like, okay, I'm probably going to stick around and see how this goes. But like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to be like, okay, this is, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with my parents. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to retire at Engadget. That didn't happen. I was like, I'm going to retire <laughs> at The Verge. That didn't happen either. So sort of slowly they started hiring around to like help me. Um, they hired a uh, director of audience development or something who became my boss, Helen. And then we hired some like other people to help me do social. So then I sort of like was removed from the like the really nitty gritty grinding of like writing social copy, scheduling tweets for overnight and that kind of thing. And to my right, when I was sitting in the office in a, in a corner room over there was the Verge video team. And I was like, man, you guys are so good. The videos they were making were so good back then. And I was just like, how do I, you know, how do I just like pivot to video you know and and truly so we had a show well, called that was, 90, that was actually yeah. the question that i had i was like yeah, well, you, yeah it seemed like you were doing a lot of writing and a lot of reading and 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 doing all the which i'm which i'm which stuff. you still have to do now yeah like i have to write my own scripts and do research but yes like so that helped I, prepare you to what you're doing definitely today. definitely because dude the i mean you know what it's like dude if someone's disinterested five seconds they're off your video right so mm-hmm. like writing is one skill in and of itself you know to keep someone engaged with text but man video is a whole other beast so we had this daily news show called 90 seconds on the verge which was 90 seconds published on youtube monday through friday of like the day in tech news and they're still there on youtube if you scroll back eight years 
It's Tuesday, July 1st, 2012. I'm Sam Sheffer. This is 90 Seconds on the Verge. Today and blah, blah, blah. And so I started sort of like while I was early on at the Verge, I started, I was like really advocating. I was like, please let me host these. I just, I want to do this. They're so much fun. I just, again, going back to the sort of like having cameras, early gadgets and stuff. I was just like always interested in the video thing. Um, and, and kind of like, so probably like 2014 is when, like they hired the people to help me with social. And then I sort of was, you know, removed from that stuff where I started like getting way more involved in video. Um, and so I started just like pitching ideas for videos. Um, and just like a lot of, I think, uh, what, what, where I found success personally, Ricky is autonomy where no one is micromanaging me saying like, what are you doing, Sam? Where are these reports? What's going on? They just know that like, I knew what I was doing and I, you know, I was always, you know, I'm in the office every day, 9am, you know, nine to six, like getting my stuff done. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think like they, they, you know, they trusted me to do the job that I did. And I think I did a good job. And then, so well, well, also you're a part of a, a startup culture. A star of culture mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, media. Mm -hmm. and, and, Where you're and, wearing and a million so, hats. Everyone's doing everything. Exactly. And, and because of that, they, they, they have only so big of a boat, and there's only so many people that can fit on that boat, and everyone That's better exactly be right. rowing that boat. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So I saw sort of an opportunity for me to just, like, get involved in video. So one of the first things I pitched was, like, um, this sort of, like, piece, sort of like a, you know – not a think piece, but just like a kind of like overview on the like electric transport micro mobility thing. Um, and there's a video from, I think it was published in like 2013 um, called like electric skateboards, the future of rideables. And it's like, I'm hosting, I'm narrating. Like I, you know, wrote the script with, I think it was like David Pierce was my editor on that. Um, and like, it took me, you know, probably a month of like production where I'm flying here, doing this, getting this product, featuring all these things. And then the nice thing was, Ricky, is that I didn't have to edit. I didn't have to shoot. All I had to do was show up with the idea, be Sam on camera. Didn't have to worry about taking an SD card, adjusting footage, none of that <laughs> stuff. That was great. Great. The video's still up there. It's a great video. It's, uh, it's definitely dated now because it's about 10 years old and the rideable scene is insane now. But so I'm like, I, well, I, that, I remember. That's when you did Boosted Board? That was, yes, I had a Gen 1 boosted board, and I remember I was like, this thing's really expensive, but it's really fast, and it's worth it. It was like the, the self-balancing unicycle was in there. The, uh, the, there was like another unique ego thing, but it was like, as me, as like this, you know, excuse me, they always saw me as like this young, because they hired me at 19 years old when I was working at Engadget, and now I'm like 23, 24, where I'm like, I'm getting old now, and they're like, oh, Sam's the, you know, skateboarder hype kid. But I'm like, yo, this is this is the future. Like, thank you for giving me the opportunity to like, you know, show the sort of world. So like another one of my, you know, the way my brain works is like I love finding things out first. I'm an early adopter. And then I like sharing. I like sort of like sharing this information with people that are also interested, right? Um, so that's sort of where my brain goes with like when I, you know, now even still like when I'm making content, what am I deciding to make? Well, I want to touch on something that I know about, that I'm passionate about, that I think other people will eventually be passionate about. Let me be, oh, I, I watched the Sam video. I had no idea this existed. Bam. 
Um, and even still to this day, people are like, I bought my boosted board because in one of your early vlogs, you duct tape LEDs around your board, and that's how I found you on YouTube. Like, cool. All right, so um, Josh left The Verge. I'm, like, started, you know, doing more video stuff. Um, and by this point, I was doing, you know, I would, I would be going to CES with them, cranking out videos. I was, like, really enjoying, like, being in front of the camera. But again. You know, before you go on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One thing I just want to touch on. Yes. We're in a very unique time where yes, a we lot are. of people want to get involved in technology, innovation, or specifically entertainment. I believe most um, kids in junior high, like, the majority say that they want to be a YouTuber today. You know, know it's um, crazy. You know, it's crazy. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, you know, you know. I think I think back when I was a kid, I was like doctor, or you know, I was I wanted to be a WWE wrestler. Um, didn't really work out for me. But it, it's one of those things where where um, what's so interesting is Hollywood used to be you know such an isolated you know group, and it, and it was untouchable. But the truth is, people that get involved, whether you know they they want to be entrepreneurial and start something their own, or they want to go into a company that also needs to evolve with this new world of entertainment and technology and, and, and video content. You can go learn off of someone else's dime and do what you've done. You know, you've been able to go in, you let your passion lead, you made things happen. Um, you were given trust, you know, because you were very proactive and passionate about what you're doing. Uh, and you're also in the right, you know, work environment and, and, you know, it opened up a lot of path. I mean, a, a, a huge gateway to where you are today. I'm excited to hear more about that, but it's one of those things that I think a lot of people need to remember this, um, that, you know, you, I mean, you know, the world is your oyster and, and, and you know, uh, there's always going to be challenges and complications um, and not everyone's going to get the right timing and the right advice like you did when it came to Engadget. But um, yes. there's a lot of opportunity out there. But, you know, if you, you know, push as many, you know, personal boundaries as possible to be able to, um learn new things, um, you know, it, it can really open up a lot more opportunity. This, 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 this is, this, this whole story is fascinating and inspiring. It's a journey. Yeah. It's a journey. And also like to, to, to sort of like touch on what you said, Ricky, you have to like really want it. I feel like some people like they say they want it and they think they want an audience, but like if you do really truly want it and you put in the work for it, even if it takes you five years to finally break through, I think it will work. You just have to like truly, really want it. It's not for everyone, but like, yes, it, when, when I was a kid, it used to be like astronaut, doctor, you know, something like that. But now it's like YouTuber. And I'm like, do you really know the sort of like consequences? That's kind of a harsh word, but like that come with being a YouTuber, being your own boss, making, you know, holding yourself accountable, like paying your own taxes you don't learn how to pay taxes in high school no. um in any event in any event so yeah well that, um, that, that, that's amazing though because you know you you have to want it you know i've heard even by creators themselves that you know i've heard people say on on, on panels like seven years ago saying oh you've missed the gravy train it's too late to do youtube now and i look at you know something like sam sheffer where you know You've came in and you've become successful really fast, not just on YouTube, but also on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, but what's interesting about this to me is that you kind of came, you know, in like the second generation of creators, where it was a way more challenging, way more, um, um, how do you say it, um, competitive, where, where there's yes. way more content and way more noise. 
And, you know, you've been able to come in, find your niche, and, like, you know, make things happen. But anyways, I, I want you to keep going with your story. So, so just to really quick touch on that, this is why I sort of, like, li- I like to explain all this stuff. Because some people, they just see, oh, wow, 300000 on YouTube? Wow, like, he lives in New York City? Wow, it's like, I spent my 20s from when I was 19. I left the job Mashable that I'll, I'll get to in a second when I was 27. I've been doing YouTube for only... Only four years where I spent seven, eight years before any of this, like that I knew I was going to be a YouTuber, like working in, you know, sort of this like traditional, I was going to an office every day. Um, anyway, so doing the videos, uh, the verge is great, you know, still weird that Josh left and like a lot of other people are starting to leave like Ellis, my friend who I mentioned before the Snapchat dude went to work at Snapchat. Um, so like Joanna left to work at ABC or Wall Street Journal, so many good people left. And I was like, okay, this is definitely not the same as it was as the fiery startup, you know, in 2011, 2012. But okay. So, um, my sort of, um, mag what's, what's like the Latin magnum opus, I think like the, the sort of like grand sort of thing, my like prized, you know, sort of video thing, my, my, the, the, my favorite piece of content, I guess that I made, when I was working at The Verge, um, Lexus had this real working hoverboard um, that used liquid nitrogen to cool down these magnets using flux pinning. And it was like hovering off the ground like this much. It was like a real working hoverboard. And we saw like we wrote the article about it and we were like kind of skeptical. And then Lexus invited The Verge to go see it in person in Barcelona. And I'm pretty sure The Verge was the only or one of two U.S. publications to go. Wow. So I remember I remember being in the office. This is like uh, early – it was like, uh, yeah, late June, early July of 2015. And like it's an open office where everyone's just like if someone – if something happens, we're just talking, right? It's like you know how people are chatting in Slack and were all you the time a big Back the to the Future office. fan? I mean, come on, dude. I've seen that trilogy like half a dozen times. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I'm still waiting for the hoverboards, by the way. Like, yeah. Forget wheels on the ground. I want to be flying. Um, so it was like, I think uh, this guy, Sean O'Kane, who still works at The Verge, and then Chris Eagle, who doesn't work there anymore, they were like, they got the email. They were, they were like kind of like the car transportation. This fell into that category. They were like, Sam, you're going to Spain. I was like, okay, I'm going to Spain. Sick. Um. And we did this family vacation um, to uh, Montauk, the Hamptons. I've been going to the Hamptons for literally my entire life. And now it's like the hype thing to do because we have a a family that has a house there. And this was the first time in 20, literally 25 years that I skipped the July 4th weekend as the Sheffer family vacation to go film this video. And so – as like a young adult, I'm like, wow, like I, work is really like I am letting work eat into like my personal life. And there are sacrifices that you make, but I want, you know, this is the dream sort of come true, you know? Um, so I go to Spain, this guy, Tom Connors, it's one video guy. I still to this day have no idea how he got that job done. And again, I never edited. I never shot. I never did anything. I was just the man in, in front of the camera. So it's me and Tom, we go, he somehow gets the best B-roll. I don't even know what the story is yet. We just go, I like try it. We're there for like a a day. It's like 90 degrees outside. We film this video 
the press embargo was like but if if you don't know what that means usually like if there's an announcement and the the company sort of says like on this day and this time is when you can publish your review or whatever so the embargo was like for a month from then so oh, video wow. was that, made that's difficult so i had a yeah and i wasn't allowed to talk about it at all i didn't even post that i was in spain nothing and so finally this video it, it like i think it went live in like august 4th or august 5th of 2015 and it's if you sort verge's youtube videos by most viewed excuse me it's like number two or number three still to this day which is i'm so proud of it and that's another video ricky where i'm writing the script i'm sort of i'm you know sort of telling the story i think david pierce also edited me on that too i remember i still remember vividly recording the vo in the studio and right around this time literally the video is just published i get a knock on my door i get an email from someone at Mashable that says, we're launching a tech-focused Snapchat Discover channel. We want you to come help lead the team. Wow. That's amazing. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Verge Life, I'm literally peaking right now with this video. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I've wanted to do. And here's a brand new opportunity for me to start fresh. I don't know anyone that works there. I took the job. I took wow. the job. Wow. Did you give Verge a was, chance to like counter? I, or, sorry, that's a personal question. I, I, <laughs> no, no, no. And it's, and it's a great one. And I'll tell you, um, it was kind of like, it was kind of like I, I took it upon myself to say respectfully, don't even offer me anything. I love you guys forever, yeah. but I think it's time for me because again, Ricky, so many people left where I didn't feel like I was abandoning ship where we had so many new people now where I felt like Verge was in a good place where, you know, I sort of like, I, dude, I still to this day miss working at the Verge. I miss being in the office. I miss being around people smarter than me, but well, that's there was interesting there timing was a, because, you know, I know I remember that hoverboard video. It got it got tens of millions <laughs> of views. Well, and well, that, actually, that, that was, actually, it. it, it sorry, well, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was go just ahead. gonna say. I, I was just gonna say. We published it, and it did not go viral. It got like a hundred thousand views in the first month, and I was like, "Really? How did this not get seen?" And then, like a year in, it hit like a million. And then sure. every like, I have a Twitter th- thread that I've been following now, right? it. Now, now it has 14 million views yeah. and a lot of like random people have seen that video, but part of me, you know, at the beginning, I was really upset that like, I was like, yo, this is a banger. This is going to go viral. But then also like the emotional attachment I had. But so I, I made a, a pretty, you know, not rash decision. I definitely called all my friends and family. Um, and there were people that were like, don't go. And there are people like go, but, um, it, it's always like, and this is another sort of, um, piece of advice that I guess I could impose. Um, if you feel like you're at a job and this is, you know, for, for anyone listening to this, if you feel like you're at a job where you, you don't feel like you're getting the respect you deserve leave because you going into a new organization coming from somewhere else, like me going from the verge, coming to Mashable, I just go in there and I I don't want to sound egotistical here. It's just true. I am, wow, so we're getting Sam from The Verge to come work at Mashable. Like, 
everyone knows the sort of competitors in this landscape, right? We're like, we, we hired Dieter Bone, who used to run all of these, like, the windows and the palm blogs. And, like, we hired some, like, really big players away from very established names. So if you feel stuck in a job, you leave and you will get the command, you will command the respect that you deserve. So that was, you know, very personal, but I, I don't mind sharing. That's part of the reason why I left because I, you know, as a 25 year old, they still treated me like I was, in, you know, an intern. And I'm like, I'm, I'm you an had adult a hard now. Time like, you know, shedding off that, you know, intern, you know. Exactly right. Exactly um, right. So I, I, I guess bias that they had of you. Yeah. Exactly right. Because they mm-hmm. still, even to this day, they still see me as a kid. Um, and so, <laughs> so it was like August, whatever, fourth or fifth, we published that video. August 17th was my first day at Mashable. I dipped out of there quick. I literally left work on a Friday and I started Mashable on a Monday. Do not do that. If you leave a job, take two weeks off, please, for the love of God. Do not do what I did. Um, And so, yeah, all of a sudden, I was working at a new company. I didn't really know anyone. Very different office culture. Um, And then I was in charge of Mashable's Snapchat Discover platform where every single day, get this, every single day, seven days a week for, I think like at least an entire year was our first contract, 12 pieces of unique content. And the kicker is that it disappeared. Wait, wait, wait. every tw- single day, 12 pieces 12 of 12 pieces content. of content. Wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was like we were repurposing articles from the website. We were making these like little interactive animations. You know, I was sort of like making my own videos. Um, and this is like back then vertical video was so laughed at. Dude, it's crazy how mm-hmm. cyclical this industry is where only five years ago, vertical video, you're nuts. Who wants to watch vertical video? YouTube shorts, TikTok, Instagram reels. It's crazy how cyclical this is. Anyway, so that was that was my job. All of a sudden, I was from social media manager of you know The Verge to creative producer at Mashable, where like I had this like you know this sort of like legacy as being Sam from The Verge, where I was I was on the The Verge's podcast on the hype desk where they would like hype check me as like oh Sam hype check you know the new iPhone or just like get my take as like the young whatever, and then all of that you know sort of like magic that I had at The Verge. Um, it was hard to like, sort of like find that at Mashable because again, working with those people for the last five, six years to going to a new company, um, was a little bit tough, but I found my footing probably after like a month or two, you know, I had to work with the editorial team. I was on a team called the collective where my boss, Jeff was, we were in charge of, like, all the animators and stuff. It was structured kind of weird, but I had to I had to sort of juggle working with the editorial team and then working with, like, the C-suite levels on, like, making sure, you know, the, the, the um, additions is what... We, every day they were called an addition, like this edition, that edition. They were performing well. Um, and, dude, that was a very... That was a tough job. Um, getting, you know, getting all that stuff done. We'd have a morning meeting every day. Okay, brainstorming for um, uh, the what we call the interactive. So it's like, okay, um, you, and I still remember everyone's names, like you, Joel, you're going to go create this little, like, you know, Apple dancing or this little microchip or whatever kind of thing. Um, and that was, that was one hell of a task um, to get done. And again, sort of like how I was social media manager, like literally having the keys to the accounts. Like I was the human being that was uploading the content 
and like making sure it all looked good and like had I had this like there was like a application on my phone that was only for like the uh, people that had Snapchat Discover access that I could like see the additions before they it was such a crazy job um and so I did that for about I think it was like a year um and the craziest thing was when it was uh holiday season Christmas and New Year's the company is off for a week and so we had to produce an entire week's worth of backlog to publish while everyone's on vacation. It was really, really tough. And so I sort of um, like with what happened with being a social media social media manager, I kind of stepped away from um, doing this, you know, leading the team and all that kind of thing to video again. Um, so we started, we had a contract with Facebook when Facebook was like really pushing excuse me, when they were pushing live video, we had to do like 60, it was like a crazy amount of live streams a month on Facebook Live. So all of a sudden, I had a Facebook Live show called Technically Speaking with Sam Sheffer, where two or three times a week, I would just go live on Facebook, where, you know, half the time I didn't even didn't even have a script. I just had my sort of talking points. Um, but there's this sort of theme here where I've always found myself in front of the camera, um, but then at Mashable, I was also doing a lot of behind the camera stuff where like we had the craziest guests come in at Mashable. We attracted amazing talent where we would do live streams or like recordings of like true celebrities in the Mashable studio. So I'm like sitting there with Canon C300, you know, plugging in HDMIs, using a Teradeck, like really getting my hands dirty. And I love that stuff, learning how to use the hardware and software clicking go live on this stuff so it was like a real blend of um going from the front of the camera to the back of the camera and then literally everything in between um and then a year into me being at mashable my boss who hired me left so i kind of was like okay uh my allegiance here is uh no longer as strong as it was (laughs) and i so for anyone out there that hires sam as soon as his boss leaves, the loyalty. I mean, right, issue. right. It's like it's like I I came to work to help Jeff build out, you know, the Snapchat Discover thing, and it's like you know Jeff's not here anymore, and so many people left Mashable. So I was like, I was like, I mean, I left, you know, I left a, like a, a a good career from The Verge to go help Jeff with this thing. So I'm like, man, if Jeff's not even here, I'm like, why am I even here? You know. Um, and so I gave it another whole year. I was at Bashable for another whole year. Um, and I sort of saw the writing on the wall for traditional media. And mind you, I was 19 when I got started. And now I'm 26 turning 27. And that's like going to an office, you know, meeting zillions of people, going to events. Like you start to get a little burnt out. Um, and so... The writing on the wall for me, Ricky, was I saw this sort of trend where no matter what kind of publication you were, if you were the Wall Street Journal, if you were Elle magazine, if you were The Verge, if you were literally any publication that published any sort of like news or anything, okay, you were writing about the new iPhone, literally any publication, they're talking about the new iPhone, and and then Trump. As soon as I saw Trump headlines on The Verge, I'm like, how is this tech news? This is not tech news anymore. And so 
it just felt like there was a uh, this like sort of consolidation of like they're all defaulting like, to the clickbait, you know. It, I it, mean, it, yes, unfortunately, yes. You know, I, I didn't want to be the one to say it, but yeah. it's like yes. Right. And, well, and so I, that was actually a question I had earlier. Like, you know, was you know, you've been on the publishing side with mm-hmm. publications. Um, you know, who I lived are that, really. content creators? <laughs> You know, you know, they, yeah, you know, literally, they're, they're the originals, they're the OGs from 100 years ago, um, you know, starting with newspaper and then, you know, with uh, digital video where they are today. Um, and so you've been able to see that side, but you've also been able to see the side of like Casey Neistat's of the world, who, who's a good friend of yours, <laughs> um, um, yeah. as well as, you know, you, you know, producing your own content and your own creator content. Um, what are these publications doing right? And then. Where is there room for improvement, you know, so, so they can stay relevant in the future? Because if we look at the data right now, these creators that are independent creators are still very ahead. Maybe not with monetization, but when it comes to viewership, when it comes I to ju- relevance um, and, and I guess, you know, organic um, um, shareability or, or, Dude, or exactly organic right. views. There's a huge difference. And so what, and, and if, be as bold and, and as you can, but what are they doing right, these publications? And then what can they learn from the creator community? I think that we are at a time where single creators, and I will call out, I will shout out Marquez Brownlee, who, an, an, a, another friend of mine, I mean, this kid has been, and I call him a kid. He's like 26 or 27 at this point. He is the definition of GOAT. I mean, dude, this kid has been putting out content since he was 14, 13 years old, and he just kept going. He never stopped, never let anything get in, in his way. And so we're at a time now, Marquez, love the guy. He, I respect the hell out of what he does. And I... Honestly, Ricky, he single-handedly has more influence and really, like, viewership online than a lot of these, like, real traditional multi-zillion-dollar companies, right? So we're at a time where, like, the, the Charlie Chaplins and the Buster Keatons of the world are now, like, the Marquez Brownleys and, you know, Mr. Beast and the Casey Neistats of the world. And so... You know, part of the reason, again, why I left media is because I was just like, it seems like now would be a good time to just maybe like try this on my own and build like my own verge or like media kind of thing. Well, what um, gave you the courage to, to do the, that? I mean, because, because you obviously saw Marcus Brandley, you saw Casey Neistat, you, you know, you, you, you know, you saw, you know, probably Unbox Therapy and um, you, you probably saw a lot so of these many different of creators. Um, what? I know what, what did it take, you know, at your job for you to realize like, you know, what, I want to do this alone. And, 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 and how did you, you know, build up the courage to do that? Well, I want to just, I want to just quickly answer the question you had before, like the advice for, you know, the sort of the publications that were doing it right. Um, I, I think, I think um, like, and we sort of talked about this before we were recording the consistency, the consistency thing is so crucial we're like these publications have staff of 20 30 100 people that are churning out content where it's like and it's such a simple thing right like of course consistency like duh sam but it's so important to like stay relevant and stay on top of it like 
I still read The Verge just because I don't work there anymore. Like, I follow them on Twitter. Like, I'm going to TheVerge.com and seeing what's new. Um, and I guess another sort of piece of advice is, like, just try and be a human, you know? Like, no one likes this, like, nebulous, you know, dark cloud of, like, this, like, you know, like, when you think of any of these publications, I personally, you know, when when I was... Sorry, there's just like a car alarm going on outside. When I would, you know, when I would, um, you know, go on Engadget or go to these websites, maybe this is just me personally speaking, but I like to, uh, you know, sort of feel like I know the writers and like I could read the articles in their tone. And like, so that's why the video thing is great because you could see like literally the editor-in-chief of, of you know, Engadget or The Verge, Josh, was like, make – he's in the videos, you know, and it gives, it gives the publication personality. We're mm-hmm. like – like the Try um, Guys you know, on like, BuzzFeed. Exactly right. Or like any of these like meme accounts also, you know, where like uh, like F. Jerry made an entire empire, you know, out of like doing memes. But like they're so relatable. Um, and so I think relatability, consistency um, for these brands, like just try and be 5% more human. You know, or if you're like if your last thousand tweets had a link in them, don't put a link in a tweet. See what happens. Stop trying to drive clicks. Like, talk to the audience. They're following you for a reason. Um, and there's so, a reason why they, those yeah. um, linked those linked tweets aren't performing. Yeah, because no one wants to click it anymore. All they you're, you you've sort of desensitized them, where they're just scrolling past well, it because no one wants to. You get dinged yeah. by the algorithm as well. No platform that I know yeah. of wants people to leave the platform. That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Um. Yeah, I like. I mean, even in my personal Twitter feed, I'm like rarely tweeting links. I, I tweet. I I, I tweet uh, a lot of Spotify links, which I can't even. That like opens the Twitter browser, and then you have to like click open in. It like sometimes works. Anyway, um, what gave me the courage to leave? I feel like, um, it, it's sort of like weirdly aligned with me having fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube. Um, and honestly, just another sort of thing of advice. Um, save money. Like, so many people here live paycheck to paycheck and here, like, in New York City, um, and maybe this goes for, like, the rest of the United States, but, like, if you want to make a move like that, don't be an idiot and just, like, leave and, like, don't know where the next month of rent is coming from. Like, make sure – and, again, some of the advice I gave is just, like, so simple and practical, but this is, you know, how I did it, so I feel like it might work for you too. Um Save money and don't just save for like a month. Save, you know, six, seven, ten thousand dollars and make sure that you have a a very nice cushion. You know, make sure the pillow is cold on both sides before you go in and try and jump ship like this. So that's what I say. That's what I did. I, I saved like ten thousand bucks and I was like, okay, I will no longer get a paycheck every two weeks, but I have, you know, enough money to live for the next six months in New York. I literally don't know what's going to happen, but what I do know is that I, I, I love technology to the point where, like, I'm going to make this work no matter what. And if I have to go back to work, not a big deal. Fine. Haven't had to go back to work. Um, been doing YouTube full-time for four years. You're the first got- creator that has said save money. I mean, I, at least on this show. Um it, 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 it's common sense, right? I remember the first thing I did when I started my business was I realized, you know what? Money's not coming in like it used to. And I immediately got out of my contract for rent and I stayed at my parents' house. 
as as humiliating and, dude, and humbling as dude, that was. No shame though, Ricky. Nope. No shame. Like if you have to make these moves, it's it's only temporary. It's like feelings, right? Feelings are temporary. Nothing is forever. Literally nothing is forever. So if you have to go make the sacrifice to better your life for the next year, year and a half, like I wanted to leave Mashable before I left. Like I left Mashable in like July or August of 2017 in January. I made a deal with my mom. I was like, mom, I'm going to leave this job. I don't have, you know, like I want to just try and do this on my own. She said, okay, start saving money. I said, mom, it's a great idea. Let's do it. We work together. Like, honestly, like really kudos to my parents for raising me the That's way they amazing. did. Um, honestly. And so literally I like, I literally Ricky, I gave my mom a thousand dollars every month. I said, mom, hide this for me, save it for me. And when I'm ready to leave, <laughs> awesome. give me that money back. And then thank, thank heavens. I never you know, sort of like how to like go into that, you know, I maybe paid rent with it like once or twice, but like I somehow started getting brand deals because all of a sudden I was now, oh, it makes me cringe to say it, Ricky. I was all of a sudden a micro influencer, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, I have the stupid blue check marks because of the media jobs that I had. You know, I had like whatever, 30K on Instagram, well, 30K that's a huge on advantage. Twitter. That's great. It is. It is. So then, you know, I, I started doing brand deals like right off the rip um, and then kind of just like who, who are some of the first brand deals that you worked on? Because you, you've been doing this full time now for four years, right? Yes. So so I mean, literally, it's like it was August of 2017. Um, I actually have here one second. Awesome. No, that, that, this is amazing. I, you know, we don't on this show have creators usually at this stage like after like four <laughs> yeah. years and so so awesome just to see this perspective all right what's this so today it says today begins day one of phase one of sam sheffer productions or the sam sheffer show i'm doing my own thing i'm doing me this was july 5th 2017 um and so i i basically was like my last day of mashable was yesterday so i guess it was july um and a friend of mine ma framed me this and i have it in the studio where like i could look i remember tweeting this and i'm like this is insane i've like i've always had my name attached sam from engadget sam the mashable snap you know snapchat spectacles guy like i was sort of always known for like sam from this now it's just i'm just sam sheffer you know but the thing is ricky I feel like I've always been like that. I'm still the kid from Freehold, New Jersey, who, like, just loves tech. And it's just like, you know, uh, I still feel like I got really lucky. I still feel like, you know, I sort of also created my own luck. But what you said before, like, I just let the passion drive me. Um, and so I just also want to sort of make this And doing it on your clear. own, yeah. did you feel like this was liberating? Like, you're your true authentic Dude, self? yeah, 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 definitely. Like, where now I'm not, you know, sort of bound by any of the you know like the editorial rules that come with working at a publication um and now i can like do brand deals you know um so you asked before like some of my earliest partnerships um i got i i, did, I started working with dyson of all companies um in 2018 oh, Perfect fit, dude. Mm -hmm. Perfect fit. And I still work with them to this day, um, which is which has been amazing. They've been a great partner, a great sponsor. I remember it started us out as simple as like going to one of their events and making a YouTube video, you know, posting some Instagrams. And now I have like month long partnerships with them. So Dyson comes to mind. Um, I've worked with Verizon. I've worked with Samsung. 
I've worked with um, LG. I've worked with like a bunch of these companies that are literally tech companies that I like. I am a you know sort of consumer and advocate for already, and now it's like okay, I, you know I get to talk about your product. I get paid. Um, and sort of everyone, you know, wins in these situations, but I'm still, I'm pretty selective of the companies that I work with. Um, and like most of the videos I would say, well, every review that I've done, if it says review, it's not paid. And I, I just took that right from Marquez. Marquez said years ago, he was like, I will never do a paid review on this channel and like meaning he'll never get paid by us uh, you know any of these smartphone companies to do a review so like i i review this electric longboard the evolve haiti and there's comments that are saying this was paid and it's like literally no it's not they send me the board in the mail i get to say whatever the hell i want and they are they are giving me the board cuz they like the review but money never exchanges hands i get i get the product you know i get the product but they ne they do not any dude if they said to me sam uh can you not say that i'd say i'm never reviewing anything of yours again the yeah. whole point is for me to be objective right 100% like super, well that's super also where the ftc stuff can be helpful. also true where you yes. you, you disclose yes. that dude it's it so free. here's the review yes you know? yes but like I think the the rule there is um if if I'm getting paid I have to say it's sponsored. And like 9 times 99 out of 100 times I make it pretty clear like Super 73 my Super 73 review Super 73 sent me this bike. I tell you that they sent it to me, right? If they were paying me, I would say Thank you, Super73, for sponsoring this video. And I don't know how else to make it clear besides saying, hello, viewer, I am getting a check in the mail from this company. Like, I, I don't think people are that stupid where they, you know, they don't understand what a sponsored video is at this point. But that's part of, like, why I like doing these tech reviews because I get so deep. I, I, like, I, 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 like, when Evolve sent me this board, they were like, how long do you want it for? I was like... They, they were like, what do you need it for, like, a weekend or a week? I was like, dude, I need, I need this for, like, three weeks. I need to live with it. I need to, like, understand what it's like to live with. Um, so when I do these reviews, I like to get really deep. And then part of the way I think about when I make my content, Ricky, is I – if I'm going to click play on this video, I'm coming in with probably a half a dozen questions. How fast does it go? What's it like to ride? How's the maintenance? Blah, 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 blah. When I make my reviews, I try and answer all of those questions that the viewer would have where they watch that video and it's finished and they are – it's like they just ate a good meal. They are satisfied. And uh, someone, someone very smart told me this, um, Ron Reed from Main Gear who – they gave me this computer, which I still use to this day. He told me years ago, he was like, Sam, people watch reviews for two reasons. Number one, to like do the research to see if they want the product. And then number two, Ricky, to validate their purchase. And I never thought of that before. And I was like, that makes so much sense. People, if they spent the money on it, they want to see how other people you know sort of see how see what it's like and also like maybe there's a hidden feature or something that they miss you know like usually these reviewers get i mean me get really in depth with like oh there's like this weird quirk with this thing or something like that um and so like i you know maybe to my detriment but i'm like hyper you know focused on like 
trying to go as deep as I can without it being boring and to just like try and have a, a cohesive narrative where I'm like, I have this thing. I'm an expert in the rideables field. I literally have 10,000 plus miles combined riding in Manhattan alone. This is what it's like to own one of these things. Super 73, it weighs 70 pounds. It's a pain in the ass in the elevator. It's so much fun to ride, blah, blah, blah. And people are buying the bikes. So so that's, uh, that's sort of like the mind of Sam now being this professional content creator i guess um is like how you know sort of like you know how i think of you know when i make content yeah i think this is one of you know many verticals where tv missed out where you know they could have done reviews way better um they could have had much better programming around reviews and around you know tech i'm just like with gaming and beauty like if you think about Mm. it those all started with reviews and 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 there was you know a huge demand for people before purchasing um, or to learn how to use the product, um, you know, to, to be able to watch that content. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge consumer of all of that. Like, trust me, I am not good with cars, but whenever I have a car and I have to do something new with it, or if I have to, you, you know, go to YouTube, figure out how to change the oil. If, if I'm in that desperate of a situation, you know, I go to YouTube and I, and I learn how to do that. And so, no. And there's 50 videos that know that teach you how to do that, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's YouTube is the second largest search engine. Mm-hmm. People are going to YouTube, like so many people. I would say probably more people are going to YouTube to like they ask a question to get they want an answer for something rather mm-hmm. than browsing casual content, right? It's crazy. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, no, it's it's been great to see your perspective, Sam. You know where Thank you, you are after four years, and you've exploded. And you've collaborated with a lot of the top creators as well. Um, you know, you've, you've really, you know, navigated your career and your business, you know, in such a, you know, a professional and, 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 and impressive way. Thank um, you, Ricky. W- you know, a lot of um, the listeners, I think, on this podcast, we know are on this podcast, are creators. And, and um, you know, they come here to, to see different people's perspectives, whether they're in Hollywood or you know, you know, um, digital creators like yourself. Um, what advice? And, and specifically, you know, um, we, I, I, I run a part of the, one of the businesses that we run is um, TubeBuddy, where we try to educate creators to be more data driven, to stay motivated, mm-hmm. you know, as well as you know, to, to, to grow th- their revenues. To this like TubeBuddy community, there are a bunch of aspiring creators. There's millions of them. Um, what advice would you give? Um, you know, to creators that have been doing this for a couple of years or four years that maybe have not been as successful as yourself in such a you know quick time. Um, um, hmm. What are the, 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 the I guess a, a couple of you know words of advice that you'd give them um, in addition to you know saving money? So save that money. Little Dicky said it best. Um, tr- really, you have to be yourself. Like. You really, really, and again, all when I say it out loud, my advice is so practical, but like, really, you gotta be yourself. You know, people like they will like you for you. You know, if you're, if you're as interested in whatever you're talking about, architecture, software engineering, you know, whatever the hell it is, like if you like it enough, I guarantee you, and this is like, Alex Zohanian has been preaching this since he created Reddit. There's the internet is big enough now where there's communities for every single niche. I'm just looking around my studio. I have like a master chief helmet. Halo's coming out. There's a cult following for Halo. Like if you, if you're interested in something, I would say like, let, 
and we, we said this now six times on this podcast, but let the passion drive you, you know, try and really be yourself or like, like, of course, you know, it's good to like watch your peers and see what people are doing that, you know, are successful. We're like, um, uh, Veritasium just put out that amazing video on the sort of the changing the thumbnails and that kind of thing. Like there are strategies to employ for sure, but like what makes you, you, what makes you special is just you. It's, it's you being a unique individual. Well, I'm not that interesting. Well, I don't know about that. Like if you're that passionate about whatever it is, I promise you, even if it's not 5 million people, even if it's 50,000 people that are passionate, I like, I'm sure you've heard Ricky, the, the, I, I don't know his name, but the subway sandwich kid that's doing the YouTube shorts. Have you heard about this kid? No, I've heard of him. I, but no, t- yeah, please expand upon it. He, he's, he's, well, well, do you have his name? He ha- I don't. It's like Eliad. It's like, he's got a very unique name. He films, he films himself making subway sandwiches and all of his YouTube shorts have millions of views. <laughs> oh, today's customer is this blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, if this kid can have an audience and like, I see this on TikTok a lot. There's so many like really hyper-focused small creators that are just owning their space. Do it, do it. Like, tr- like if you're the expert at, I don't know, building Legos, you know, that like, that, that you don't get the Lego set of Star Wars. You have a billion Lego bricks and you build your own custom Legos. Or like another perfect example, Lily, um, the girl who makes dominoes. She has millions of subscribers on YouTube and she builds dominoes. But that is a passion of hers and she's been extremely successful because she's consistent and she is herself. She doesn't she, – she really tries I, – I, you know, I don't want to speak for Lily, but it's like she's, she's done – you know, she has videos with zillions of views. She just uh, collabed with Mark Rober, of all people, who's yeah. one of my all-time favorite YouTubers. He's amazing. I've been, I've, dude, I've been subscribed to Mark since, I think, around 1 or 2 million. I was like, this guy, I wish he uploaded more. And, I mean, now we know why. He was working for Apple when he was doing YouTube but and, and NASA, apparently, too. Um, but so I would just say, like, yeah, if you're a young creator and it's like, this is probably not what you want to hear, but this is the truth. Like you got to be yourself and you got to give it time. You have no idea when you can have like your, your sort of like big break where all it really takes in this creator economy is one video and you can be successful overnight where I uploaded a video called Instagram story hacks, five things you parentheses probably didn't know. And it was just like, it's a four minute and 20 second video. 420 maybe copied directly from david dobrik maybe not <laughs> and uh it was just uh, there's a 15 second opening where i'm fr- i'm in front of a seamless backdrop you have no i'm not you don't even know where i am i could be in a basement in missouri and i'm like boom within 15 seconds i'm delivering you value okay ready for these stats ricky the video has 7 million views on my channel and take a guess how many subs i gained from the one video Seven million. Let, let me let me get bold. Let's do um. Let's do forty thousand. Fifty-four thousand. Wow! From one video. From one video. So I'm like, do I just become the how-to tips and tricks YouTuber? And I'm like, no, I don't really want to like feed into that. Where I'm like, I still want to be able to make videos about rideables. But like, so the point being is like, dude, me and my brother Jerome, who helps me make my YouTube videos. 
we shot that video from like four to six. I edited it from seven to 10 p.m. It was on YouTube at, uh, at 8 a.m. the next morning. Within three days, it had a million views. And I'm like, wow, it's that easy. Wow. It's literally that easy. I tried. There was no effort behind that video. Go back and watch it. It's it's fought. It's literally like you could tell how I shot it. I spoke to the camera. The second thing was me doing the B-roll of the tricks. Boom, done. You like you are one video. There's like this awesome like uh, sort of cartoon drawing that's like a guy digging for like diamonds, and it's like you think you're here, and it's like he's at the top, hasn't even started going down, but like you really could be here, and he's like one act picks away from finding the treasure. Like it's so true, um, and so like I also you know I I think I'm at a place now where I've like. You know, I can now be reflexive. Like I'm 30, I'm in my 30s now where I'm like, okay, I can sort of look back at the last four years being like, okay, here's what I've done. You know, I'm really proud of like, I made this video about Richard Browning's jet suit. I made a video like a, a dead mouse feature where I like got, got to see behind the scenes. Like I've had some like videos that I'm like really proud of. And now I'm like, I, you know, I'm at a place where I'm like, what, what kind of content do I want to make that I want to look back now at the, ne at the next four years? Like, yeah, I'm proud of the Instagram stories thing, but like, I'm thinking of like, how do I go even bigger? Where like, what, what stories can I tell that, you know, I sort of like want to tell where, I don't know, are there any cool startups or something? Like I've been keeping my eye on this company called Humane. The, the URL is hu.ma.ne, humane. It's all ex-Apple employees. There's like 20 a Apple employees that are starting a new tech company. And so this is another thing where I'm like, I want to be on the bleeding edge. I, as Sam Sheffer, I want to tell the story of humane. Like, how do I get in touch with them? How do I start? You know, so that's sort of like where my mind goes, where I'm like, yes, I'll still be uploading like new iPhones coming out, whatever. I'll have videos of that stuff. But I'm like, I, you know, I've looked at the videos that I'm most proud of. And I'm like, I would rather spend, you know, a week or two, you know, going to shoot, you know, spend, you know, 12 hours editing in Premiere um, and making something that's like, like that was a, you know, you, you watch the video and you eat dinner with it and you're like, wow, that was great. 10, 15 minutes of amazing content rather than like, but then also at the same time, I uploaded a, a video of the cyber truck. It's a 45 second clip with my iPhone, got a million views as a YouTube short. And I'm like, and I'm like, Hmm, is this an opportunity where do I just start like making, you know, like daily one minute, really snackable bite size? Like, yo, I'm at the studio today, but it's like, am I in, encroaching on Casey territory here? I'm like the everything is sort of changing so fast where it's like it's kind of hard to keep up now with like, where do you put your effort? Like I somehow have 600,000 on TikTok. I do not try on TikTok. I post such stupid videos and they somehow go viral. And then I look at my YouTube channel. I'm like, man, I work so hard on some of these videos and it's so hard to battle, battle <laughs> and the they, algorithm. And they don't see the, they don't see the, the amount that you see on TikTok. No, that's exactly a, that, right. That's a completely, I mean, opposite conversation. Like <laughs> even with, um, you know, um, um, creative disruption, um, where you know we see a lot more momentum on on the podcast platforms um, um, that there are more audio. I mean, I guess you know I'm not the the typical spring chicken in front of the, in front of the camera, but but it was it was been, it, funny. I, I thought to myself, I was like, no, I want to take these YouTube shorts. I want to see how well it performs on creative disruption, and then how well it performs on my own personal um, TikTok, which has you know. Um, um, 30 followers, <laughs> you know, I'm following 40 friends. Only, you know, a percent of them are following me. I, I'm not, 
I am not act very active on TikTok. Well, and how's, how's the experiment short, been going? TikTok more than doubles, <laughs> you know, um, you know what we do on this channel with shorts. And so there are some correlations, causations there that you know I don't understand, but it's been fun just to really like you know dip my toes in and like and and, and do a comparison. But but there's definitely something happening with TikTok where, um, you know, they've kind of you know democratized the process of content. I mean, it so people can come in and you just need this. You just, literally yeah, just in, need yeah, this. Yeah, anyone your your average Joe can come in and like start making content and start getting some quick momentum. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's a really exciting time. And so if I can try to summarize, you know, I mean, some of your advice that you've given in this in this in this um, um, video. One, you know, be true to yourself, be yourself, save money, and then consistency, which is, you know, us here at me, me and Daryl have had lots of problems finding time to do creative disruption. But consistency, that's, that's a continued theme across all platforms across the globe. You know, I've been in this you know, business for over 15 years, wow. um, specifically with digital creators. And, you know, consistency is the number one theme. You need to be it's consistent. Like, it's like I remember watching Lost. Did you watch the show Lost oh, back in the day? Oh, of course Ricky? I did. Okay, right. That, that uh, was amazing. I, and I, I'm still yeah. a Lost loyalist. Me too. And me I like the forever. ending. Everyone's hated it. I thought the ending was great. It gave me so I'm, much closure. I yeah. I'm happy. I'm ha I'm happy it actually ended right because I'm like, where is this going? In any event, <laughs> I I just I I this this sort of on the theme of consistency, right? It was like, you know, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. ABC. You're, you know where to find loss. You don't have to go looking for it, right? And then, like, the next season, they change it to, like, Thursday. But, like, the consistency every week. And then, and then when they would take a break, I'm like, no, no, no. I need my loss fix, right? And now, like, with the YouTube platform, like, that, I mean, you know, a Casey is uh, one in a billion. But a big reason why he was successful every single day, no matter what. 8 a.m. every day, no matter what. Yeah, discipline, consistency. You know what? Casey wasn't always wasn't always consistent. I remember the early days of Casey and I sat, and he would just upload every once in a while. But once he pivoted, when he started over, vlogging, he once he started vlogging, yes, 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 yes. Like once he started the vlog and committed himself to the upload, and then if he didn't upload at 8 a.m. and he tweeted, you had a zillion people be like, "No, no, I want to watch, I want to watch," and he like. <laughs> You know, you sort of like train the audience psychologically to like expect something, right? That's why this this whole this notion of like the binge watching stuff, where like a new show comes out on Netflix and they just dump the whole season. It's like you don't have that like camaraderie with your friends where you get to talk about it every week, where it's like exciting and there's a new episode. Um, but yeah, the landscape is just it's exciting. And I feel like uh, one of my friends, Tyler, we, uh, we did a podcast together pretty recently. It's called Summer School, where we just – I said to him, I was like, Tyler, I can't commit to this forever, but let's do it every <laughs> Sunday in June and July. And we somehow met up every Sunday, and we did it. We were That's consistent. That's so cool. And so, and so Tyler, I know from working at um, The Verge, and he said this to me, and it's so true. He was like, Sam – the sort of the tech scene and just like the internet now feels exciting again where like the last five seven years like it was really exciting like 2010 2011 when like the iphone was new and like social media was kind of starting to take off but now like 
there's all you know, like again the, the all these vertical video things are here like it feels like you know there's a lot of like really good hardware there's like the panic play date there's like so many cool it just feels like things are cool and exciting again um sort of just like kind of going with your theme here like yeah it's it's an exciting time to be on the internet um and like as 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 hard as it is to become a creator and keep doing it like i think once you once you really start to you you get a good taste of like whoa this video kind of got views or like you know this was really well received um just like al- always think to yourself like if i if i clicked play on this video or like i saw this piece of content in my feed would i want to engage with it that's that's like really my sort of underlying theme of my videos um this is someone that was he told me this when he was like an 18 year old kid and i was like 24 25 he was like sam if you could click play on your YouTube videos and you yourself enjoy them, that should be your baseline for success kind of thing. And I was like, wow, Declan, that is unbelievable advice. And still to this day, every, I, I mean, I, I watch my videos, you know, six, seven times before it goes on YouTube. And I sit there, I'm like, no, nah, I got to cut this intro. Just go right to the meat of it. You know, I, I edit my own videos with my, you know, sort of own brain of like, you know, how, how do I make sure that, you know, because there's so many things to juggle with, you know, publishing on YouTube. But at the end of the day, it's like if Sam can enjoy it, then Sam's audience can probably enjoy it, too. And then it's like YouTube algorithm. Please, please show this to people. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Sam, yeah. such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for making Dude, the for time. Sure. We went through a lot of great information there. And it's <laughs> great to get to know you better and to get your background but also, Thank you. Man, man, you have a lot of you know great advice to share, and um, I'm excited to reconnect and you know let me know when you're in LA. Uh, we should do this again, maybe in like Absolutely. a year or two. When I'm like, wow, remember remember that conversation? Look at how much has changed since I, then. You I know? was so wrong. This is what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all vertical video, Ricky. Thank you, man. This was great. I'm 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 so glad I got to come on and it just like. You know, getting to share my story of like I was just a regular kid, you know, like and again, I still I still think I am. But like if I could do what I did, anyone out there listening, I'm telling you, you just got to like give it time and mm-hmm. and stay true to yourself and do it because you want to be doing it. And that's that's sort of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Please be sure to subscribe like this video and we'll see you later.